2: Welcome back, everybody. Hub Ark is here with you tonight until 9 o'clock as we talk Chicago Bears NFL football. All 32 NFL war rooms are burning the midnight oil tonight as teams need to get down to the maximum 53-man roster by 3 o'clock Chicago time tomorrow. So we're going all NFL all night. Great lineup of guests for you, taking your phone calls and texts. The top of the hour is brought to you by Duck, Duck Go, and we are now going to get right back to our guest hotline. It is the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline, Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. And I welcome in my buddy Greg Gabriel. We've talked about the bona fides, Greg. 32 years scouting in the National Football League. 10 years as the Bears director of college scouting. And so few are more intimate with what's going on, not only in the Bears war room tonight, but all the other 31 war rooms as well. And for those of you who are regular listeners, you may know Greg and I talked a little later in the evening on Friday, but we just didn't have enough time. And so, Greg, I wanted to get you back tonight and try and go a little bit deeper. I appreciate you taking time out for us, and I hope you're doing well. I'm, I'm guessing this is a little more relaxing for you than all those years you were uh, helping to run those war rooms, isn't it?
4: I'll tell you, cut down time is not fun because, you know, <laughs> you've got to deliver the, the message to kids that have a dream and, and you're going to at least temporarily take that dream away. Uh, you know, when I was working in the XFL, I was the Turk. So I had, a, you know, in, in the NFL, a lot of times it's the head coach that delivers the message. But I had to do it in the XFL and I'll tell you, that was one of the worst things I ever did in my life.
2: You know, it's funny, I, I, I filed my column today and my headline was the, uh, uh, the Turk is active and carrying his ax. And I had a young editor, you know, call me and ask what the Turk was. So I'm glad that you pulled that off. For it's, uh, I, I don't know if I'm dating Either, either or... we're
4: older, he doesn't know things yet. Uh,
2: yeah, well, I, I actually, I haven't heard it in a while, but it certainly was the expression for a long, long time. Um, let me ask you about something that, that I was actually talking to Dana and Layla about this morning uh, when I visited with them. Uh, Bernsey brought it up, and, and and I hadn't really thought about it much, and I've been thinking about it uh, as the day has gone on. Uh, Bernsey had indicated that that he would hope that in the continuing effort to develop Justin Fields that he gets more meaningful reps and is not asked to run the scout team because he's afraid that, you know, that could get him going in the wrong direction. Well, uh, Matt Nagy did talk about it today. He did confirm that, in fact, Justin Fields will be running the scout team And and if you think about it, I think the reason is, well, he's not going to get reps with the number ones. This is for real now. And if Andy Dalton is the starting quarterback, he's going to get the reps with the number ones. So there's really, as far as I can tell, no good way for for Justin Fields to play football unless he is running the scout team. And I would guess that as long as Flip and, and the other coaches are continuing to focus on him and develop in a right way, that that probably is more good than bad, isn't it?
4: Oh you're 100% correct. In fact, you know, I endorse this completely and and the reason being is if, if you're the number 2 quarterback, you're lucky to get 10% of the reps during the offensive portion of practices. The number 1 guy, guy gets all of the reps. You know, your learning comes in the meeting room when you're putting together the game plan etc., but you're not getting on the field reps. Now The reverse of that is being the scout quarterback. And now you're running teams or running plays that the other team plans to use or they think they plan to use, but there's no new terminology involved. It's all, you know, scripted and it's done up on cards, but he's doing it. You know, he's going to get 25 to 30, 35 reps a day in practice against one of the better defenses in the NFL He's seeing all the things that the Bears' defense is going to do against these various offenses, and that is teaching him a whole lot because it's teaching him the different, look, you know, different looks uh, that the Bears are going to do, and, and it just gives him experience of coming to the line of scrimmage, seeing these different looks, seeing the different blitz packages, and reacting to them. And to me, that's invaluable experience.
2: So, you know, we've spent so much time on the quarterback situation, and I know it's not a conversation that's going away. Um, But at this point, people probably need to believe that Andy Dalton, as long as he's healthy, is going to be the quarterback for at least a few weeks. Um, And, you know, I wonder... If we've paid short shrift to the rest of this roster, Greg, they've got some difficult roster decisions to make tonight. Uh, The other thing that's going to be different this year, I I think probably from any time that you ever had to do this, is as opposed to making your final cuts and then playing your first regular season game in six days, uh, this year that first game is going to be 12 or 13 days away. They've got an extra week in there. There are more teams around the league with cap <laughs> problems than ever before because of the reduced cap this year, meaning there's probably going to be a little more talent on the streets than what we're used to. And so I would guess uh, almost a whole new scouting operation for the Pro Scouts and, and, and that a lot of teams are going to be looking at what you could almost call a fourth wave of free agency come about 3.15 Chicago time tomorrow.
4: Yeah, it, it, it's going to be different. And well, I, I've been saying this really all week. What you're going to see, what what the roster is going to be at 3 or 3.30 tomorrow is not going to be the roster that you're going to see at kickoff time a week from Sunday night out in L.A. You know, I would not be a bit surprised if there's five or six different names on that roster in a week and a half. One of the interesting moves I'm – looking forward to seeing or or you know see if it happens is what are they going to do with tevin jenkins if he's on the 53 tomorrow at three o'clock that means they feel pretty good about his ability to come back say in six weeks or so and then they would put him down the next day so you know they'd put him down on on wednesday on ir and then you can bring him back after th- now with the new ir rules that went into effect last year during COVID, you can bring him back after three weeks now who knows how long he's going to be out but if, if he's put on ir tomorrow he's done for the year so i think that'll be one interesting thing uh to see uh the rest is is going to be the the roster makeup you know on the defensive line there's going to be one guy that's not part of the roster, and that's Mario Edwards because he's suspended for the first two games. Uh, So are they going to go with just five defensive linemen for those first couple games? Are they going to still keep another guy up there? And then there's going to be the waiver claims. And as far as the vets go, though, a lot of times you don't want to bring a vet in until after the first game. And when I say that, I mean a vested vet. So has four years in the league. Because if, if he's on that roster for that first game, his salary is guaranteed for the whole season. And so if you caught him, you're still paying him. But if you bring him in after the first game, so say the day after the first game, now his salary becomes week to week. And for cap purposes, that helps you a lot more than having him on the roster that first week.
2: Well, and I think that's a really good reason to keep an eye on Elijah Wilkinson, uh, the free agent tackle they brought in this year, theoretically, to be the swing tackle, although I just don't see this kid playing left tackle. Uh, He is a vested veteran, and they're pretty much, well, they're not obligated to do anything, Greg, but after all the, uh, the heat they took from folks about not, you know, preparing for a Jenkins back injury, since there were, you know, rumblings about back problems last year, Matt Nagy was pretty emphatic a couple of weeks ago when he told us about the surgery, that the reason they decided to do the surgery now is because they do believe there's a chance they can get him back this year. If they were then to IR him before putting him on the 53 He can't come back this year and that's just going to exacerbate that problem and raise that many more questions for them. Now, I realize that's not how they run their football team, but but it's probably a really shaky way for them to go right now. And, And I think that Wilkinson probably would clear waivers. And so that could be the answer to that situation. There's certainly, I don't think going to want to expose Alex bars or, or, or Larry Borum, uh, you know, to waivers and, and those are their other choices. So uh, unless they carry nine and they go short somewhere else, as you just said, now correct me if I'm wrong. I know you've been out of the league for a few years, um, but as you've correctly stated, the new rules that allow for unlimited guys because of the COVID situation to return from IR are that they can do it if they make the 53 and then go to IR. If you've been on the pup list, right. like Tariq Cohn, I don't think you have to make the roster. I think you can stay on the pup list. He um, on the pup,
4: he's got to stay on the pup list for six weeks.
2: Is it, is it 6 or did they change it to 3 this year? I think they may have changed that too. I could be wrong. Okay, that
4: I'm that I'm not 100% sure of, but I know the pup list was always 6 weeks. And so but you know, there was something I saw today that said we well, may have had a second surgery and immediately and, and obviously they're not saying exactly what happened, but you know, last November I had a knee replacement done and which is you know a little bit more serious than an ACL surgery and in January you know my knee was a little stiff and, and after a while I wasn't having the range of motion that you know they wanted so in January I had a manipulation done which technically they called a surgery the whole process took about six minutes mm-hmm. and you know and it wasn't a surgery All they did was tear the scar tissue by bending my leg you know they put you out for a couple of minutes and do that which you know, from what I'm understanding, that could very well have been the, the case with Cohen, and that set me back about an hour and a half. And, and that's it. I mean, you know, got a little swollen, it got a little sore, and you know, the, I had to go to rehab literally the day that I had the um, manipulation done. But in a couple of days, I was fine. You know, and, and my movement and my leg was a lot better. So it, he did have a, a problem with scar tissue. I don't think it's a thing that you're gonna, they should, anybody should be making a big deal about.
2: Yeah, and, and uh, you know, in fairness, when asked specifically about that today, Matt Nagy told us he couldn't really remember whether there was a cleanup procedure or not, um, but he did indicate that he continues to make progress day to day and that they're not— terribly concerned about it. I, I believe uh, you're absolutely right about the pup list, that it had always been six weeks, but I'm pretty sure that was also changed last year and set this year that it's now a minimum of, uh, or I should say, yeah, a minimum of three weeks. Uh, and so they could get him back relatively quickly. But, but this, again, gets back to maneuvering with what you have. And I think one of the concerns about this Bears roster is, do do they have enough? <laughs> you know what I mean? And so I think they're going to be looking at veterans regardless of what they do uh, with the guys that they currently have. Let, let me go to another unique situation and see if you ever experienced anything like this. Uh, you've got Desmond Trufant was signed after they were forced to release Kyle Fuller for, for, for um, you know, uh, obviously salary cap issues and and was presumed to be coming here to be the starter. Uh, he was in camp. He, he looked okay. He, he didn't stick out, but he certainly didn't do anything to suggest he wasn't going to be the starter. And then due to personal issues, uh, he was forced to leave the team about two weeks ago. Now it is personal. So I'm not going to say that I can say for sure what's going on, but we do know that that concurrently uh, his dad passed away a couple weeks ago. So you've got a young man uh, dealing with personal, we assume, family issues. He's probably exactly where he needs to be, and yet the Bears have had this tough competition at cornerback, and he hasn't been available to, to, to compete. What do you do with Desmond Trufant? Question that
4: goes back to, I can answer it this way, and also bring it. Go back to the Wilkinson thing. Trufant and Wilkinson are both vested bets. They don't go through waivers. They just get cut, and they become free agents the minute they get cut. And they could, like, you know, cut them tomorrow, and they can tomorrow afternoon they can sign a contract with somebody else if they so desire, or. The Bears and they've done this before with, with vets and so have several other teams. You make a side deal with them, say, okay, look, you, you got to take care of what you got to take care of, and we're going to bring you back and, and, you know, after the first game or, or whatever, and um, put you on the roster, and we'll fix the salary that you missed, etc. And you know, so they can do that with people like that if the if the player is willing. And a lot of times if they like the situation they're in, they're going to do it. It's like, you know, what they care about is getting that vested year in. And so whether they miss the first game or not is not a big deal other than their salary isn't, isn't guaranteed for the season.
2: Were you ever part of a situation like what happened with Jesper Horstead on Saturday night? I mean, you know, here's a young man who I think actually had a chance to make the roster before that happened. I don't think they can carry five tight ends. We know that the first three are going to be Cole Komet, Jimmy Graham, and Jesse James. Um, But you've got a situation where J.P. Holtz, he's a Y tight end. He's not a pass catcher. He is valuable on special teams. They do have some needs on special teams. But Jesse James is a why as well, and, and Cole Komet is. If something happens to Jimmy Graham, they don't really have a backup to, to, to run those plays, to do those things. That's what Jesper Horstead does, and yet they really like J.P. Holtz and almost certainly can't keep five. Were you ever in a situation where you had to consider cutting a kid who who had three touchdowns in the last preseason? I well, you, know, you say you go to that game to earn your spot. What more can he do?
4: Uh, he he had a terrific game and you know he did the same thing as rookie year he -hmm. had that big game in the final preseason game and then there was questions about whether he was going to make the team and they ended up cutting him and putting him on the practice squad and he got you know and he got brought up during the year and and played some games um you know i think jesse james is this is my personal opinion is ahead of jp holtz as far on the depth chart now holtz as far as I can see, he hasn't played that much. They held James out, but you know, I tweeted out this morning. Holding a, a guy out of the final preseason game does not necessarily mean you made the team. Some of the reasons are you don't want the guy to get hurt because you know you're going to cut him, and you know if you get gets hurt, then you got to put him on IR and it costs your money, especially if it's a veteran. So, but I I think if you if you're going to keep James, then James is James and and Comet can play the Y. Comet really can play both tight end positions, and then Graham and uh, a can be the move guy, and so that would be your argument to keep four. I just there's just not a lot of teams that keep four. Last year they had five at the final cutdown, and then right at the first game they cut the fifth guy who, who ended up you know getting waived right out of the league. I can't even remember his name, but. It'll, it'll. I'll be really interesting how things play out because, like I said, what we see tomorrow and what we're going to see even a few days from now is going to be totally different.
2: Yeah, I, mean, I can tell you, I can't say anything with certainty, but I can say with a, with a level of, of assuredness that Jesse James is the third tight end. He's ahead of Holtz on the depth chart. And J.P. Holtz has been out about 10 days with a chest, uh, a bruised chest uh, issue. So, um, you know, that's why you haven't seen him. And, and again, that's what complicates the, these roster decisions. Now, they do have the advantage um, of the expanded practice squads that can include six veterans but I believe that J.P. Holtz is still a year short of being vested. I think he's only got three vested seasons, so he would have to clear waivers. So, you know, if they're going to move on, then they're going to be stuck with that. So uh, one more question before I let you go, Greg. We've got to move on. I really appreciate your time again tonight, but I'm going to come full circle now and take us back to the quarterback situation. Um, I believe that if Andy Dalton plays right. well enough for the team to be competitive. And if the team is competitive and if they're able uh, you know, to, to hang around in a wild card or a playoff chase, that there's not going to be any urgency to go to Justin Fields. I, I don't know if you agree with that or not, but I think that is the plan is to get him as much time to watch and learn and have the team play well at the same time. So, with that as kind of our backdrop, what's your best guess as to when Bears fans are going to get what they want and see Justin Fields as the starting quarterback?
4: You know, I I agree with what you just said. If the Bears are winning, it'll be interesting because they they have some tough games in the first four or five. If they're three and two, even maybe two and three in the first five, you may see Dalton play a little longer. If they're one and four, oh, and five. He's on the bench and feels as the quarterback. That's my opinion. Anyway, but I think that they, you know, it also gives him a little bit extra time to just feel more comfortable with his teammates, with the surrounding, and and being within the offense. I think it's, it's going to be similar to the situation when Mitch was a rookie. Glennon was horrendous. You knew he wasn't going to last very long. And after four games, they pulled the plug and put Mitch in. And if it's like that with, with Andy, it's going to be the same thing. The fields is going to be in there.
2: Greg, I really appreciate your time. I, I'm, I'm happy for you at least that you can kind of relax with me tonight and enjoy this as opposed to be going through all this stress and strain. I I know from talking to Matt and Ryan and some of these guys, it's, Nobody enjoys this. Uh, You know, it's fun when you're done. You've got your football team together. Uh, But it is a tough, uh, you know, 48, 72 hours for everybody. So thank you uh, for enlightening us. We will talk to you again very soon. That is Greg Gabriel, of course, longtime director of college scouting for the Chicago Bears. You hear him quite a bit here on the score as well. We are going to take a quick commercial break here. When we get back, your phone calls and texts once again, 312-644-6767 is the phone number. Give me a call. We'll talk to you in just a moment right here at the score.
1: When you guys saw me after the game, probably in the back of my mind, before I watched the tape, I was thinking, ah. Uh, you know, I wish there was. I wish it was a little bit better. But then after I watched the tape, I saw some of the good things that we did. I felt better about where we were. So, um, again, s- schematically, uh, some of the things that we were doing situationally in-, in that game probably aren't realistic. But still, trying to test the guys up front and um, in the run game, there was some things they did better than I thought they did. So I feel better now than I did that night with the line, and uh, and I'm just I appreciate the way they responded. Um, for that two minute drive. I thought they did a great job and Justin did a great job of giving guys chances that pass interference Jesper had to, I mean, that's hidden yardage as well.
2: Chicago Bears head coach, Matt Nagy talking today at Hallis Hall about, uh, well, the subject everybody's talking about when they're not talking about the quarterbacks, that offensive line, I it's interesting to me, I. I I don't want to be a wise guy. I was going to say, I'm not sure what tape he was watching. I I, I watched it as well. I don't watch it as well as Matt does. But, uh, and, and I am not panicked yet about the offensive line. You know, I, again, I keep trying to point out that the interior of the line is better. Uh, Jermaine Offetti and, and Jason Peters came back from long, long layoffs for their first game action Saturday night. I'm worried about the tackle spot. I'm not pretending they're in great shape. Um, but I, I think in this particular case, that's Matt... Uh, trying to put a positive spin on something that's kind of tough to put a positive spin on. They just, they didn't do a great job uh, Saturday night. I I would have stayed with, it was their first action back and they're just playing their way into shape, but uh, we'll continue to watch and see and hope because if the offensive line surprises us and if those 30 somethings on defense uh, can play to their their, their ceilings, then there could be a pleasant surprise for Bears fans this year. But that's just a whole lot of ifs. So let's get right back to the phone lines now. Daryl is in Virginia. And, Daryl, you are up next. How you doing?
3: Yes, Hub. Uh, um, the uh, offensive line, I think we're being, uh, you know, I think Nagy is uh, putting the uh, the con game to us uh, about the offensive line just so he won't start the, uh, the kid. The kid is ready, Hub. If you look at if you make if you remember when the Bears played who <clears throat> Seattle when Russell Wilson was the uh, rookie quarterback and we had a, a really good defense, Brian Urlacher was looking slow. They ran whatever scheme <laughs> they put against us. Huh, it worked, and I think the same. I, I think Matt Nagy is the problem with this quarterback and th- the confidence level that he has in his own play-calling ability is the problem, I think, Hub. Uh, you can put this kid out there, and he can threaten the edges. We all know that the Rams are going to uh, pin their ears back for uh, Dalton. It's going to be awful. You, we all know that it, it, because of the offensive line problems, Hub. And so if, if you have a quarterback who's mobile – you know, you, you put them out there. You, you give them some confidence, you know, and, and I think that they're ruining the kid already. You well,
2: Darrell, yeah, I, let, let me, you, you kind of thrown three or four different things out there, so so let me address the ones that I can. Um, in, in this particular case, you started saying that, that Matt was, you know, giving us a, a con game. Uh, with the offensive line, I, I don't think it's a con game. I think he's trying to build some confidence in these guys and suggest that they, you know, they they should be okay. Uh, and he did not say, nor has he said at any time this this preseason, that Justin Fields isn't playing because the offensive line isn't good enough. So um, you can certainly disagree with Matt Nagy. You can certainly say that you believe Matt Nagy uh, is the problem, and those are reasonable opinions. But I don't know how you're making the leap to it's a con game and he's using the offensive line as an excuse for Justin Fields because he has not at any time done that. That's number one. Number two, you you say as if it's a, a fait accompli that the kid is ready. Everything that we know about NFL history suggests that he is not ready. You have never seen him face an NFL starting defense. I mean, even he himself came out and said after a kind of a, and he wasn't trying to be, Uh, arrogant or difficult when he said after his first game asked about the speed of the game he thought it was kind of slow it was kind of slow because he was facing third and fourth stringers who probably weren't as good as some of the defenses he saw at Ohio State he himself came back and corrected that a week later and said I want to be clear I understand that I've got a lot to learn and so uh, you know there are exceptions to the rule Russell Wilson is one Ben Roethlisberger is another They're the only two that come to mind over the last 25 or 30 years, rookie quarterbacks who stepped in and were ready to compete and contend on day one. If you look at the greatest of all time, Tom Brady waited over a year. Drew Brees waited almost a full year. Aaron Rodgers waited three years. All these guys need some time. You know, Troy Aikman and Peyton Manning started as rookies, one was, you know, one and eleven, I think. The Aikman Manning, I think, was was four and twelve or something like that. Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace can't afford to have that happen if they can prevent it because it could cost them their jobs. And so um, this is not about them trying to con anybody. It's not about them making a mistake. There are very good reasons not to start Justin Fields in the opener uh, against, a, as you just said, you know, last year was the number one defense in the NFL. You know, how are you going to improve the kid's confidence and make them feel? It? You say they're they're ruining them? No, they're 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 doing. What conventional wisdom says they should do, and more than that, at least you know, week one they're protecting him a little bit because I think it would be absolutely unfair to throw him out there against Aaron Donald and the Rams, uh, being as unprepared as he is right now. So let's go to North Lake and get Dennis into the show. Dennis, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing. I'm doing okay.
3: If I could only sleep at night, I'd be doing better. I don't get much sleep every night, no matter what I try to take for it. But I'm sorry to bring that up because I know it don't pertain to. Uh, the subject at hand, uh, Hub. I just wanted to compliment you on the the way you're so you're the most insightful. Uh, I don't know what your title would be, football commentator, but but I get so much more out of you than anyone else I've ever heard on radio. First of all, that's that's basically what I wanted to compliment you about. And then the question is, how many new guys? This year, do you think are going to improve the uh, overall uh, ability on the uh, offensive line to help out Mr. Fields or Mr. Dalton?
2: Well, Dennis, thank you for your for your kind words. You're too kind. And actually, as a chronic insomniac, I, I do feel your pain, and I don't have any better suggestions for you. Uh, you know, as far as the offensive line, if James Daniels is healthy, and listen i'm not going to go back on what i said for 3 years i still think his 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 bigger upside is at center but I've also seen enough of Sam Mustapher to think that he can be a quality starter in the NFL. James Daniels can be a very good guard, maybe even a Pro Bowl guard. I think he could be an all-pro center. Cody Whitehair is a guy who's been to a Pro Bowl, again, at center. He's playing guard now, but that's his natural position. Um, so I look for significant improvement from Daniels and Mustafer. And if Whitehair just continues to play at the level he has, the interior of the offensive line is much improved unfortunately, I I can't give you any new hope right now at tackle because we don't know who it's going to be. And assuming it's going to be Justin Peters and Jermaine Effetti, Jermaine Effetti has to prove that he can play the position better than he did in a couple years in Seattle because they didn't want him back when his first contract expired. And Jason Peters has to show that at the age of 39, he can still do a lot of the things that he did during his, you know, eventual Hall of Fame career. So um, I think the line is better on the inside whether they're better or good enough at tackle remains to be seen. Alex, I'm going to squeeze in your call and answer you a little bit later because i got to get to a break, uh, but I don't want you to hold and not get on. So, Alex, thank you for dialing us. How you doing? Good, you? Good, thank you. What do you got for us, Alex? Yeah, I, I, I mean, not to jump more
3: upon the uh, offensive line, but I'm going to hit you with it because it's, it's abysmal. I mean, you, you get on the film and you see these guys like, I mean, people are praising Mustafa, but you're seeing him getting pushed back. Uh, you're seeing these blocking schemes. You got to question Matt Nagy with this offensive philosophy that's taken three years to build. But you got, uh, I want to know your thoughts that Brian Balding, are calling out Matt Nagy's scheme. You know, him and Dan Orlowski are, you know, big guys on the NFL network and ESPN. And they're calling Matt Nagy out. I mean, that's what they're doing. They're they want to know what the heck's going on out there. I want to know your thoughts about
2: that. Yeah, I mean, Alex, listen. Dan Orlovsky is a former backup NFL quarterback, and and Brian Baldinger, you know, was a, was a decent offensive lineman. Uh, to my knowledge, neither has ever coached in the NFL. So so the fact that they're on the NFL Network doesn't mean that them calling out Matt Nagy makes them right and makes Matt wrong the flip side of it is that I'm not going to sit here and try and defend Matt Nagy. He's been here three years, come, you know, to be the offensive guru and that hasn't happened. And so we have to now wait and see if it was all about the quarterback and, and maybe some, some more speed at wide receiver. Um, but for right now, uh, Matt deserves the, the, the the challenges and, and the evaluation that he's getting and some of the negative evaluation. Um, but given, or forced to make a choice between who I'm going to trust more with an NFL offense, Matt Nagy, Dan Orlovsky, or Brian Baldinger. I'm going to take Matt Nagy. Uh, But that said, we now have, this is, this is it this year. It's, it's prove it or go home. Um, And, and I'm anxious to see what he does because he does have the best overall quarterback situation that he's had in his, in his now fourth year here. And he's got more talent at the skill positions. Unfortunately, they're still trying to, you know, solidify the offensive line. And we're going to see if they're able to get that done now with Jermaine Effetti and, and and Jason Peters at the tackles. I can't answer you until we see a couple regular season games and see what these guys have got left in the tank. Um, but but I just, I, I can't jump on board with every analyst who wants to criticize everything they see. We're going to take a very quick commercial break here because another great guest on the other side, Anthony Heron. Big Himself is going to be here. We're going to get more. We're going to get deeper into where the Chicago Bears are at as they get to these final cuts with Anthony in just a moment, right here at the score. Yeah, I mean, I'm in a great opportunity right here. I knew that coming in that I'd get a chance to start here, and the, that's my focus is on this year. Um, the rest of my career is going to take care of itself. But you know, my, my focus on what I'm doing now, and um, you know, this is a, a big year for me, and it's going to uh, for me. I've Got to go, just uh, play like I know I can play.
0: Did you ever feel you were close to coming here last year? That there was a
2: that this was a possibility a year ago? You know, there's been uh, talks and different things, and there's a lot that uh, that had to go on because I was still uh, on the roster in, in Cincinnati. So um, with you on a trade? Th- there's there was a lot of things that that could have happened, and uh, you know, nothing ever ended up happening. Chicago Bears starting quarterback. What is- it or not for now chicago bears starting quarterback andy dalton who, by the way, has proven to be a really class guy. I realize that's not going to get him any points with you guys if he doesn't score points on the field. Um, but, but I have been impressed, and, and I actually feel bad because I, I, as a football player and as a quarterback, I, I'm not a huge Andy Dalton fan. I, I was not happy with the signing. I thought there were better options. But having watched him here and at least you know getting to know him a little bit and seeing how he's carried himself, it's hard not to be impressed. Obviously, if that doesn't translate to – uh points and to wins, it's not gonna matter. Uh but that was Andy today, uh talking to us in the media room about the opportunity for him here with the Chicago Bears. And we will now go from Andy to Anthony as big and Anthony Heron. Good enough to do some double duty today. You know, Anthony, it's funny, I I actually had my first regular hit with uh with Bernsey and Layla this morning. I know you sat in for Lawrence. Um, But, you know, what the hell? Today, you know, we're in the final 24 hours of the final cuts. If Mitch and Shane everybody are going to trot out their football analysts, what are they going to do? So, (laughs) uh, I appreciate you coming back with me tonight. I hope you're doing well, man.
1: No, doing great. Doing great. I'm uh, just... Getting set for, like you said, there's always a lot of stuff happening during the football season between what I do with the with the score here and the Bears coverage and college coming up this weekend with the Big Ten. So, yeah, we are in full-on football mode. Whenever I'm on and I ask you, you show up for me. So, had no problem at all showing up with you, man.
2: Anthony, unlike most of us, you have actually lived it. Uh, you you know what it's like to be waiting uh, the last 24, 48 hours, and you've gotten both, good news and bad news. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure you've been asked this a bunch of times recently, but uh, for our listeners now who may not have caught it, explain, if you can, what this is like uh, for not only these young men, but some of the middle-aged and aging veterans who are trying to see their careers continue.
1: Well, it's, uh, it's, it's a little bit different, for, for both aspects, when you're a young guy, you're in your first couple of years in the league, especially if you haven't been cut before, it's really hard to compartmentalize the, the mortality of your football career. Like we you know, those of us who just talk about the game a lot at this point, and especially during NFL preseason, we use the term and even teammates in the locker room will remind younger players and especially rookies that you are constantly auditioning for the other 31 teams around the league. It's one thing to hear that from others, but until you've been through the ringer, until you've been cut, until you've gotten that phone call or that tap on the shoulder, until you've been sitting there in your hotel room just waiting and wanting for your cell phone to ring for the next opportunity after you get released, you really don't know how you're going to respond to it. And frankly, Hub, once you do have it happen, once you get cut that first time, but then you – Get the recognition of other teams, either claiming you're on the waiver wire or someone else wanting to bring you in, whether it's for workouts or to truly sign you or, you know, even the possibility of trading for you, you know, if you know you're you're not necessarily amongst the guys who are likely to to still be a fixture in a franchise moving forward. All those different possibilities do give you a bit of a a fresh perspective on things because up to that point, when you are an amateur athlete, your job, like your your job in the lineup was maybe – on the line, but you were never worried about a team just getting rid of you, whether it's high school or peewee or college, you get to the NFL and you see lockers emptying out. And then eventually if you're one of the ones, especially at final cut down where if you're one of the ones who don't end up making the roster officially first time you go through it, it, it is a, it, it is an eye opening experience. And then if you're fortunate enough to have someone else, like if that wasn't the last game you played and you got somebody else, one of these other 31 teams who wants to bring you in, then it is very refreshing and it's freeing to some extent. And frankly, for me, the first time I got cut, when I got picked up elsewhere, it, in a in a weird way, felt empowering. Like, oh, the Detroit Lions aren't the only team that may be interested in me. Hey, man, let me make, make my business over in Green Bay and see how that is. Oh, the Atlanta Falcons want to sign me. You know, after the next time I get cut, this is great. And You would prefer to be a, a true fixture in, in someone's lineup, but Frankly, it's really, as you know well, Hub, it's a a rare few. It's the smaller percentage of the league are the guys at the top of the roster. So many other people around the National Football League are from one season to the next. Every couple of seasons, switching teams, jobs on the line, trying to continue to earn your keep. And it, you know, it, it takes some of that that rarefied air to truly kind of you know, make your mark in one spot where you're going to really get to have an extended stay. They a player, the talent of Akeem Hicks, who's been on multiple teams throughout his career. Now, his is partly, you know, more so the salary he demands and those types of things. But, you know, not everyone stays in the same spot. And it is a it's a bit of a jarring thing the first time you go through it.
2: Anthony, we haven't been able to talk for a little while. Just, you know, beginning of the season, everybody's busy. And I'm curious, are you? Satisfied with? Are you happy with the Bears' quote quarterback plan for all three quarterbacks, not just Justin Fields? Or uh, are you one who thinks maybe it could have or should have been handled differently? Well, I think, in
1: retrospect, you know, to to insulate themselves at quarterback in the way that they did, you know, the the thought was they were insulating themselves for Mitch last year with uh, with Nick Foles, and neither guy worked out so well last season. Then they finally get to the point where they move on from Mitch, but they committed. They're kind of pot committed to Foles for right now, but they didn't stand pat. You go out and make the Dalton signing. So in theory, for where they're both at in their career, Dalton and upgrade from where Nick Foles is at. But I love, as you know, love what they did in the draft to bring in Justin Fields. And I, my, my sensibilities are where I'm comfortable being patient at the quarterback position, especially for where the Bears are at as a franchise right now, because Ryan Pace is in year seven. Matt Nagy is in year four. You got a whole lot of money invested on the defensive side of the football. You got a lot of guys 30-ish and above 30 over there getting ready to, to look at the mortality of their football career from the opposite end of it. You know, who, who knows where Keem Hicks' future lies after this season? Danny Trevathan, there's guys who've been at this for a long time, done a lot of big things, made a lot of big money, who may or may not get to continue with the Chicago Bears moving forward. And that's just defensively. Jimmy Graham's 34 a Rob may not be here next season. He's going to be looking for his last big contract. So you have a collective of the Bears' core that's been in place for a few seasons under Matt Nagy who've had plans, had hopes, had expectations of accomplishing more in the postseason than what they've done up to this point. So this may be the, the last opportunity for a lot of those guys. And I would imagine the veterans realize that. So those guys aren't trying to sit around and just assume that they have the patience, have the time, to see what happens with a rookie QB. So I don't get the impression that the older guys on the squad will take issue or are taking issue with Andy Dalton getting the initial start. Now, if it's not going well with Dalton, I don't think they're going to have a lot of patience for him to just sit there and try to ride it out. And frankly, I don't get the impression the Bears will either. That's There's a reason that they've spoken so glowingly in public about Justin Fields. I don't necessarily get the sense that they're, they're muting their reaction to him very much so far. And, and that, to me, is indicative of of a willingness to thrust him into the lineup at some point. And Matt Nagy has just even come out and said it to you guys at Hallis Hall. It's going to be dependent upon Andy Dalton's productivity, and that's how it should be.
2: I'm Hub Arkish here on The Score, and joining us on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline, Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book, is Anthony Heron, Big Ant, another one of our regulars here at 670 The Score. And Anthony, beyond the obvious, which would be offensive tackle, it's just too obvious. uh, If there was another position, Uh, that became available after the cuts tomorrow. We know that there's going to be a little more talent than usual because so many teams squeezed against the cap right now with the reduction of the salary cap this year. There's also an extra week to get these guys ready for week one if you saw them stepping in immediately. Clearly, if a quality offensive tackle hit the streets, the Bears would be in line for them. So beyond tackle, is there another position where you'd like to see the Bears take a hard look at some, whether it's young veteran or middle-aged veteran talent, to come in and solidify the team?
1: I just – I don't know exactly what the Bears have yet in a guy like Demir Bird, you know, I, I mean, uh, in Marquise Goodwin. I mean, there's there's some of these veteran receivers who, who, in theory, are adding speed to the passing attack. But, you know, in the early portion of Matt Nagy's time here, we kind of thought Taylor Gabriel, you know, whatever, Speedy T or whatever his nickname was, we kind of thought Taylor Gabriel was supposed to be that guy. And he never completely rounded into form. I'm not completely sure why we didn't see Demir Byrd and, and Marquise Goodwin get get a lot of work, at least on the field through the preseason games. I I think I heard you referencing maybe there's a chance that they're just sort of keeping that under wraps to some extent. Uh, I I think I think it would have been nice to to actually see them get maybe some some explosive opportunities actually in a game setting, just to make sure that they're whether it's with Dalton or with Fields or with both of them just to get that portion of your passing attack lathered up because the explosive passing play has lacked so much so frequently in Matt Nagy's time here. So once I see Bird, Goodwin on the field making plays and that'll give me more confidence that the Bears have a legit number three and potentially big play option at receiver as of right now. I feel great about the top two guys in, in A-Rob and Darnell Mooney um, but you know, I suppose if there's any other position out there then it, it would be receiver that I wonder, you know, how aggressive the Bears may be if if they feel like something or someone comes available that could could add to where they're at right now because, you know, they they made the bird and Goodwin signing. So, hopefully, fingers crossed things go well there, but, you know, I I'm just I'm surprised we didn't necessarily see them get targeted much if at all in in any preseason games.
2: You know, it's it's so interesting you go there Anthony because I've been saying all along I mean, I love the speed of Goodwin and Bird, but you look at at Marquise Goodwin's seven-year career, actually six years because he opted out last year. In 2017, he had a huge year, 991 yards, 17.2 average. It's the only season in six years that he had anything better than number four, number five receiver numbers, really probably more five than four. You look at Demir Bird last year for the first time in five years in the league, he had number three numbers, even though he was number two on the Patriots, but he had those other four years where he did nothing. I love their world-class speed, but I don't know that either one of them is a number three receiver. We don't know for sure that Darnell Mooney is a number two. I suspect he is. I love what we've seen of the kids so far. Um, and then you go past those four I think Rodney Adams has clearly earned a spot on the roster. I'm not sure what his ceiling is, but he's probably a four or a five. And then you got you know Daz Newsome and Riley Ridley. I expect Newsom is going to beat Ridley out just because he's newer and kind of the flavor of the month. But and he's got some punt return ability, but he hasn't shown anything to tell us. Um, I think if there was a quality receiver on on the, on the street, and there probably will be. That that's that's the same position I would have picked, and um, you know I, I'm I'm not concerned about what you're going to get out of Arod and, and Mooney, but what if one of them gets nicked? You know now are you going to try and develop your young quarterback without you know enough weapons at receiver? So I'm I'm with you. I think it's a really critical position, and I wonder how much of that they're hedging by what they think. Well, what I would agree is their best tight end situation probably in, in a couple decades. Yeah,
1: the the tight end spot is where you know Matt Nagy, Ryan Pace, Bears fans in general should be really confident about that. And even looking back to last season, and I think you know if nothing else, just the sheer statistics of what Jimmy Graham accomplished, I think folks are are just sort of undervaluing what that was. And frankly, I think there was there was more meat on the bone for Jimmy Graham last year because the early portion of the season, like you think back to specifically that Tampa Bay game where they did make him a focal point. In the red zone, matchup-wise, and you know he may not have all the straight-line speed that he once did. He's never been a crushing blocker as an in-line tight end, anyway. But he's still, if nothing else, if we're gonna say Jimmy Graham isn't the same Jimmy Graham he was back in the day, which obviously he isn't. He's 34 years old, but we saw every example in the red zone last year that he still has that. In spades. I mean, you match that guy up, especially when you can get a one-on-one down there. And for whatever reason, I think we saw maybe the Detroit game, the Tampa Bay game. If I'm remembering correctly, I think overall there were eight touchdowns last season. And frankly, I think Jimmy Graham was underutilized as a red zone target. If nothing else, use him as a decoy. There are a lot of things matchup-wise I would have liked to to see Matt Nagy do more of with Jimmy Graham down there. So I, I love the Bears tight end position, the deployment of those assets in game. Or something I had questions with last year. Uh, hopefully, as, as Matt Nagy has been, you know, very introspective about how he calls the plays and which version of which system they're going to run and all those things. I'm very much looking forward to seeing what that is as games start getting played here in the regular season. And you know, I'm sure the LA Rams find themselves kind of curious too because there's been multiple versions of what the Bears' offense has been since Matt Nagy's been here. Now you got. You know, at least at the top of the depth chart, the top two QBs at an entirely new QB room, and we'll see what the Bears really think that the system should be to suit what they have there. But the weaponry, what they have for, for the top of the depth chart at receiver and running back and tight end, the interior of the offensive line, I think there's a lot of spots the Bears should feel confident in. They just don't necessarily have it all so insulated as you would like.
2: You know, Anthony, uh, you know the clock here better than most. Unfortunately, I'm going to have to break. I could keep talking to you for hours, but I'll leave you. was a great call on Graham. It's kind of a stunning stat. But uh, last year, his eight touchdowns were the third most by a tight end in the National Football League. And even more impressively, over the last five seasons, even though he has lost that 4-4 speed, or at least some of it, Only Travis Kelsey has more touchdowns amongst tight ends in the NFL than Jimmy Graham. So uh, they apparently still have a pretty valuable weapon there. Uh, I really appreciate your time tonight, man. You take care, and hopefully we will get to visit again soon, maybe even before the opener where we can really dig a little deeper. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Let's make sure we make that happen, my friend. Have a great night. All right, that is Anthony Heron. You can hear him fairly regularly here at 670 The Score, and you do not want to miss it. One of the better football analysts going right now. We are fortunate to have him based here in Chicago. I need to take a commercial break. we got another full hour to come and another great guest coming up on the other side. I don't know if Ed Holm got the kids to bed or not yet, but we're going to get him in the next 15, 20 minutes or so. If not, right on the other side of this break, that's coming up next right here at The Score.